always nice to come back home to Mount Juliet and to see so many smiling and encouraging faces and to hear uh, so much encouragement from so many of you that stopped to talk to me. And throughout the years, I've received a lot of just support and encouragement from this congregation. And uh, it's just been a great platform for me to leave from here and go on to my future life. And I just love coming back here and um, just having the opportunity to speak to you all tonight. It's just one more example of that kind of support and the kind of opportunity that you've helped to make available to me, and I really appreciate that. Uh, in our fellowship, in uh, the Church of Christ, we strive to be what could be called pre-denominational, meaning we want to do things as they were done before denominations even existed. We want to do things straightforwardly from the Bible, without introducing man-made creeds, without teaching as doctrines what is simply the ideas of men. We want to get back to the Bible and the Bible only. And I think this idea has the potential to really grow in our world today and to be successful and to connect with people um, as, they, as they start to want to get back to the basics and as they start to just want to get back to what the Bible says. I think that idea has the potential to grow a lot. So I was interested uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was having a conversation with our neighbors standing in our yard, and one of our neighbors explained why she likes to be a part of a certain denomination. And she said, it just makes them feel grounded and secure to be able to say, this is what we believe in, and to point to a denomination and, and a certain creed that's been written out, and to say, we can rely on this. We know it's not going anywhere, this is what we believe. And I couldn't help but the more I thought about that, the more I realized, isn't that what the Bible is supposed to be for us? Is there anything more unchanging, more stable than the words of the Bible? They haven't changed since the day that they were written. They remain the same and they remain a foundation for us to build our lives upon. And I thought of Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. This is what it says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It's describing a person whose delight isn't in a certain group of men, it isn't in a certain creed that he's written out, it isn't in science, it isn't in a political party. His delight, foundational to everything else, is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. He really cares about it. It says in verse 3, He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. He's firmly planted like a tree beside water. He's planted in the Word. So that's what I want to talk about tonight for just a few minutes, is how the Word, the Bible, can serve as a foundation for our lives, and how it is firm and we can rely on it more than anything else. And there's two broad categories that I'm going to break that into. One is in our daily lives, just day to day, the way we live our lives, the Bible is a foundation for us. And the other is in our times of greatest need and in our times of greatest distress and when we go through difficult times in our lives. So we'll start with talking about the Bible in our daily lives. And if you're like me, um, you've grown up 
in a biblical worldview. You've grown up being taught the Bible and benefiting from those teachings. And you and I, if, if that's the case for you, we may not realize how much the Bible's done for us or how much it offers us as a foundation for our lives. There is a feeling that I've had before, that I'm sure many of you have had before, that people have had throughout human history. A feeling of confusion or distress because we want to know what it's all about. Life can feel meaningless. It's like, why am I here? What am I accomplishing that's going to last? It's one of these timeless questions. What am I doing with my life? From day to day, what importance is there? I go to my job, I eat, I sleep, but why does it matter? And the Bible gives us a foundation for purpose and for meaning that can't be found anywhere else the way it can be found in the Bible. And that purpose and that meaning that we can find there can bring us fulfillment and can make our lives what they ought to be. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians 1. And I'll read verses 15 through 20. So we'll start in Colossians 1, 15. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Why? All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. If we had to boil down what the Bible teaches, the purpose of this universe is, it is to glorify God. But beyond that, we have good news. We can see from the gospel and from what it teaches us that God is most glorified by us when we are reconciled to him and find our greatest joy in him. He wants you to have a joyful life that glorifies him. And the way this plays out in each of our day-to-day -day lives can be your homework assignment for, for each one of you. It's different for every person. Where your workplace is, your school is, whatever your daily schedule is, your friends or your spouse, your children, it's different for each one of us. But if we don't have the Bible and its teachings to provide that purpose and that meaning for us, it all becomes meaningless. Science doesn't offer us a meaning for life. It explains how, or sometimes it tries to explain how, but it doesn't explain why. So I just encourage you to look at the individual details of your life, and if you're feeling a sense of, of meaninglessness or like your life doesn't have the kind of purpose that can motivate you from day to day. Think about how you can tie in that purpose 
of glorifying God and of being joyful in him to the relationships and the situations that you have in your life. The second thing that the Bible gives us as a firm foundation from day to day is wisdom and absolute guidelines for morality and ethics. Now, to take this in the direction that I I wanna take it in, I just wanna point out to you, we agree with ourselves, I agree with myself 100% of the time. Like, of all the people in the world, it seems like I'm the only one who's never wrong. Does that make sense? My parents have a saying, they sometimes say, it's my opinion and it ought to be yours. But I want to point out to you that if all I ever listen to is what I can reason by myself, I'll never get above where I can take myself. The beautiful thing about the Bible is that sometimes I don't like what it says. That's a beautiful thing because it means I'm submitting myself to a wisdom that is greater than I have on my own. And I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Timothy 3. And we'll look at verses 16 and 17. These are familiar verses. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The foundation that the Bible offers us is a set of teaching, a set of morals and ethics that is always right, that when properly understood will lead us to make the right decision each time. It takes us higher than we could take ourselves if we didn't rely on it. And I think this only becomes more obvious to us with time. Um, I've lived long enough to make a few mistakes and I'm sure the older we get, the more time we have to make more mistakes. And you can look back and you can say, there was a time when I knew what the Bible said, but I chose to ignore it, or I didn't think it was important. And now I see that if I had done things the way the Bible would have led me to do them, I would have been a happier person, I would have been a more successful person, I would be in a better place today than where I am. See, the beauty of the Bible is that we may not always like it, but if we choose to submit to it anyways, it can take us higher than we could have taken ourselves because it provides a morality that is not subjective, that isn't based on what I think. It's based on what God has said for us. And I think the more we will submit ourselves to that and the more we will trust him, the more we will find that it does benefit us to submit to his will and to follow that foundation of his word. And the beautiful thing about that morality that he gives us is that all of it is grounded and is rooted in the sacredness of who God is and in the sacredness of the men that he's created. There's a sacredness to God, to man, to our relationships, to the things that he's created us to do. And when we violate those, there are negative consequences. So it's really just such a blessing to look into the word and to trust it, even when we don't want to. And we'll come out ahead in the long run. 
those are some ways that the Bible is a foundation for us in our daily lives, to give us a sense of purpose and meaning, and to provide us with the wisdom to make good choices. But what about in our times of greatest distress? In many respects, my life has been easier than a lot of people's lives, and so I might not be as well equipped to talk about this as some of you might. I know in this auditorium so many have dealt with such difficult and painful situations. There's words that I hardly feel I have the right to say. Words like cancer or depression and death. These are words of serious pain and distress. And what I want to drive home with this point is that the Bible tells us things that we need desperately to hear in our times of pain. I want to read Romans 8, 18. I read this verse one day when it was exactly what I needed to hear in order to keep going. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's God himself wanting to reach down and to reassure us. I know you're going through pain right now, but I want to assure you something better is coming. The world doesn't offer that. The Bible offers us that. And let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And we'll see a similar concept in even greater detail. So starting in verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And as I said, I don't have the personal experience to talk about this with personal authority, but I see the authority of the word and I felt the comfort of reading these verses in my own life, of hearing him say that something better is beyond this and that he is in control of everything. And I've seen it in the examples of people in the church um, there's a, a man at my school named Matt Cook, and he had a little girl named Gabby. I believe she was two years old um, when she started battling cancer, and it was a long uh, and painful battle with a lot of uncertainty. And she's cancer-free now, and we're so grateful for that. But what amazed me was when I read his blogs during that time, 
to see the way that he could glorify God even through an experience as stressful and confusing and uncertain as that and to see him resting on the word, relying on God's promises confirmed for me that the Bible can hold us up even in times like that if we're willing to trust God. And there's plenty of other examples that all of us know of people who've relied on the foundation of the word, who've trusted in the promises that are there in the face of temporary pain and suffering. So in our daily lives, the Bible gives us a firm foundation for purpose and for meaning, and it gives us a set of guidelines that can benefit us much better than anything we could have come up with on our own. And in our times of greatest distress, it provides comfort and promises to us if we will trust in God. But there's one more thing that I want to talk about tonight that the Bible offers us that is foundational to all of our lives. And I want you to listen closely to what I say here. The Bible is the only book that shows such a beautiful and powerful picture of love and justice meeting each other. And it shows that on the cross. Both love and justice meeting each other on the cross. You see, in the Muslim faith, when you die, your good deeds are weighed against your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you are accepted. But it's not like that in the Christian faith. In the Christian faith, there is no attempt to become good enough. We are seen for the people that we are. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Not only does it show us to be so terrible and despicable that the Son of God would have to die for us, it also tells us that we're so lovable and valuable that he would die for us. And what that equips us to do is to accept and to love ourselves while keeping God as the perfect God that he is and allows us to forgive those around us who have wronged us. If I live in a worldview where you have to earn being good enough, then when someone wrongs me terribly, I'm not equipped to forgive them because I say, I'm over here doing what I have to do to earn my salvation, to be the person I should be, and you've blown it. So now I am validated in despising you, being angry, being bitter, because you haven't earned it. It doesn't equip us to, to cast our bitterness aside and to forgive others the way the gospel does and the way Jesus on the, on the cross does because the message of the cross is you deserved punishment, I deserved punishment, we were not good enough and yet Jesus took our punishment for us. So now that we have been filled up with that great amount of love and forgiveness, we have that kind of forgiveness to give to others. So I just want to ask you in closing, what does the word mean to you? How valuable is it? Maybe like me, sometimes you don't realize how much you're benefiting from the presence of the word in your life. Where would we go to find purpose and meaning if we didn't find it from the God who created this, 
who is beautiful enough to deserve infinite worship. And when we see him as he is, we are motivated to worship him and we find joy in him. Where would we go for the wisdom to make moral decisions if all we really had at the end of the day to rely on was ourselves and our own opinions? If we didn't have this Bible that through the ages has been tested and tried and true to provide for us a framework based on the sacredness of God and the sacredness of man that can lead us to make the decisions that are best for us, that will leave us the happiest and the most effective people. Where do we turn in our moments of greatest distress if we didn't have the promises that God offers us in our word? What would we do without it? And what would we do when it came time for us to decide, are we good enough? Are those who have wronged us deserving of our forgiveness? Can we be with a perfect God forever? The Bible answers all of those questions and it provides all of those things to us. And tonight, if you've never taken advantage of the opportunity he offers you to have your punishment put on to, to Jesus Christ, why would you wanna take it on yourself when you could accept that gift that he's already paid for? You don't know how much time you might have to accept that forgiveness that he offers. And I would ask you to accept it tonight. And if you don't accept it tonight, please start thinking seriously about it. Start counting the cost and deciding whether you're ready to accept that which he offers to us. And if you'd like to be baptized or if we can help you in any way tonight, you can.